And you're welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Pori Corkin, good morning to you. Good morning, dear. Good morning, listeners. Yeah. Another dry Saturday, isn't Another it? Another dry Saturday, yeah. but uh, probably a wet Sunday by the sounds of things, yeah. or at least a bit of rain coming. Nobody minds, I think, if you're in the gardening world anyway. Absolutely not. It's, uh, it's very much needed and would be welcomed. And I think right through this week, we are seeing kind of a uh, some rain and some showers and misty weather. So definitely give the plants a, a chance to uh, to soak up that moisture because the ground conditions have been extremely dry. And, um, you know, the little bit of rain that we did get during the week just evaporated as quick as it fell. Yeah. So um, now do remember there is a hose ban at the moment. So the um, water board have asked people to uh, be, be mindful of watering. And that doesn't mean you cannot water your plants. So it's a hose ban, not a watering can ban. Yeah. So you can water plants using a watering can or a bucket. So I suppose what they want people to do is not to be sprinkling their lawns or not, you know, irrigate, filling up ponds, as it were, or wasting water. Wasting but water. if you have hanging baskets and window boxes and containers or newly planted vegetables in the garden or newly planted trees and shrubs, it is perfectly OK to water them as long as you're using a watering can. So it's been being mindful about the use of water and remember we can recycle water that we're using in the kitchen so if you're washing the spuds or washing the vegetables or washing uh, dishes or whatever that water is totally recyclable you can chuck it on your planted containers and it's perfectly fine and a even, bit, even, dish, even, even dishwasher where there's been like fairy so, liquid, fairy liquid or what does it do for your hands <laughs> <laughs> so what will it do for the plants? So it's perfectly so- fine. It's soap at the end of the day. Yeah. And soap is, is often used in many of the more organic based um, insecticides because soap has this ability to water, to take the cuticle or the, the, the wax coating off pests. So when you put it on your on your roses, it washes them off and it it, it um, certainly the aphids dislike it. OK, so use recycle the water. And um, obviously, if you're using uh, bleaches, then they're not suitable for plants. But all other uh, household water can be recycled in the garden. If you're planting up hanging baskets and window boxes and containers, it's still not too too late to plant. I mean, we're still only in June. They will flower till October. So don't feel that the season has suddenly passed you by. It hasn't. But if you are planting up containers, my advice is to use a hanging basket compost because it contains swell gel, that magic ingredient that helps to keep compost moist. Or if you're using regular multi-purpose compost, get yourself a small tub of the swell gel and just add it through and that helps to conserve water as well. The one exception is for ponds, if if listeners have ponds with fish in it, you are allowed to use a hose. So, so if you're keeping fish, if you keep them fish. alive. So some people have, yeah, koi or, or they have my maybe or, ornamental goldfish or whatever in their garden pond. And if you're finding that that is beginning to reduce, you are under that circumstance allowed to use a garden hose. But I suppose really what the water board are saying is just for people to be a little bit mindful, well, not using the power washer, washing cars or using it on their lawns. That's really the key essential thing. But do feel free to water newly planted plants with watering container and and it, wh- wh- when you're watering use the feeds as well because we're in that time of year in June when plants are trying to initiate flower buds and using something like Bloomy Magic or a tomato feed or Fostogen is really good for encouraging flowering in plants so that should be used now every fortnight and it's also great weather at the moment dear, dear particularly with the rain coming 
and we mentioned it last week for, about the reseeding of lawns and wildflower seed could be sown at this time of year but also for kind of autumn vegetables and mm-hmm. I brought along some one of my favourite seeds is kale and kale should be sown it's such an easy vegetable foliage ve- vegetable to grow it's um, so beneficial from a health perspective it's got zero uh, car or zero um uh, calories. Calories. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> zero There's calories. not much in life that has zero calories now, Boric. And, and uh, so it's it's a fantastic autumn and winter vegetable. You sow it now from seed. It germinates very quickly. You plant it out then in July and it's ready to use from September right through to January or February. It's totally winter hardy. So I brought you three varieties in. There's a lovely red curly kale. Oh, yes. It's like curly, you know, it's that lovely curly foliage. So it's very like the green curly kale, except it's kind of red or purple. It's a red, it's a purple variety called Scarlet and it comes under the Sutton's range and it's a really, really simple variety to sow. So sow the seed of it now directly out of doors and it'll be ready for harvesting for September. And the lovely thing with kale is that the more you crop it, the more it keeps coming. So it keeps on giving right through the winter and irrespective of whether we get snow or frost or whatever next winter, this plant continues to deliver. And you cook it like you cook cabbage. Yeah, and you know, I'm not a big fan of using the word superfood because all food is is good really, uh, depending on how you use it but kale is particularly beneficial in lots of ways for juicing and and I I use it actually at this time of year in salads so it's a lovely salad you can cut it as a young plant so you only let it grow four or five inches high and you continue to cut it each week because it can be quite tough as it it gets 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 bigger as it gets older so so you can eat it raw in in salads at this time of year you can stir fry it you can juice it but you can use it particularly in the winter um, as as a foliage very similar to you the way you use uh, cabbage there's a lovely variety as well called Black Magic which is a, an Italian variety which has got more rather than the kind of curly leaves it's got long slender leaves really nice variety yeah that's uh, quite different very dark foliage as well and a, a lovely contrast as well and Sutton's also do a, a collection of mixed kale so it's got your green curly kale your red curly kale and also the oh, Italian mixes okay. so that's probably maybe for beginners that's a really good variety to go and you've got about 100 seed in each pack so really um, advocating to sow kale at this time of year and also some of the winter vegetables like uh, autumn carrots can be sown now autumn king is a really good variety any of the autumn and winter cabbages should be sown now winter lettuce um, any of the spring onions particularly the winter varieties they can all be sown at this time of year so use the temperatures and the moisture to get those seeds going and that applies to uh, flowering plants as well like wallflowers sweet william forget-me-nots so gardening is always always about planning ahead. So you, what you sow now, you reap in the spring or in the winter. So wallflowers, uh, forget-me-nots, polyanthus, winter pansies, violas, sown from seed at this time of year. I mean, it couldn't be easier. You can see how quickly your weeds are growing in the garden. So flower seeds will germinate just equally as quickly. Or lupins or delphiniums, all of those can be sown now. And the last thing to mention is it's still not too late to plant some tomatoes. So if you've done nothing else in your garden this year and you want to do something, a little project maybe with the kids, um, two varieties that are particularly suitable for children, one called Super Sweet. And as the name suggests, it's a very, very sweet, full of natural sugars, um, a lovely variety, very easy to grow in a pot or container. You'll get it in your local garden centre at the moment as a young plant about three to four inches high. You simply plant it up into a pot. You can grow it out of doors if you wish. So that's super sweet. Super sweet, yeah. Yeah, and um, sunny, sheltered location out of doors. Or if you're fortunate to have a, a conservatory or tunnel or greenhouse, then brilliant, put it in there as well. And my 
one of my own favourites and my own are nearly ready for picking a variety called Sweet Aperitif which is a lovely variety again it's a sweet sweet variety um, very easy to grow and um, kind of smaller varieties very small literally it's like what you get in the shops with the the, uh, cherry tomatoes that you pay rather a large amount of money for exactly and they're so easy to grow so tomatoes it's not too late to uh, plant the plants so you get the plants in your local garden centre okay, rather so, than the yeah, seed not seed no, not seed seed's yeah. a bit late but the plants are still available and and you know in most garden centres they'll still have plenty of maybe cauliflower and, and uh, plants as well to put into the garden soil so it's great planting weather particularly with the rain coming for listeners that want to put in the new lawns now is the time to do it it's time to sow wildflower seed it's also an excellent time to propagate your own plants from cuttings so if you want to have a couple of favourite plants that you want to propagate this is the time of year to do them. Small, short cuttings, so your geraniums or um, any garden shrubs, Fotini Red Robin or any of those. Whatever. Be, well, yeah, whatever tickles your fancy. This is a good time of year for, for propagating plants from small cuttings. Um, they root for within a couple of weeks. And uh, so dip them into a little bit of rooting powder, okay. put them into a pot, cover with a polythene bag, sit them on a windowsill and within three or four weeks they're they're rooted they're and ready to pot out. out. Okay. Yeah, so that, they're the type of, of jobs we will find. Uh, just to mention as well for listeners that are growing potatoes, Metair and have issued uh, a blight warning for this weekend. So if you can get out and give your potatoes a bit of a uh, spray of one of the blight treatments, so either the copper sulphate uh, is, is effective or one of the blight uh, sprays. So the blight warning has been issued by Metair. Now generally when we get into this sort of humid dampish weather which were promised um, over the weekend and into yeah. next week, that's an indication where you want to put on your, your potato blight spray. Prevention is better than curing. Absolutely. So do it, do okay. it early and do it often. Okay, yeah, because as we said, those temperatures I see look like 19 to 22 degrees and it's going to be wet uh, tomorrow so afternoon. So that's, that's perfect yeah. blight conditions. Yeah. Um, so prevention is better than curing. So get the treatments on now and repeat it maybe next weekend, you know, after, after this, yeah, within kind of seven to ten days. And that just keeps them nice and clean. OK, brilliant. Now we're going to take a quick break. Quick reminder as well, of course, if you have a question or you want to make contact with the programme this morning, 87 4141 our text and WhatsApp with thanks to Nature Safe Wild Atlantic seaweed extract from Hygieia, hand harvested and cold pressed in Connemara. Uh, so 87 4141 a text or WhatsApp, 0818 3055 if you want to give us a call. So we'll start at the, at the beginning, Porek. Right. So we'll start with somebody who lives in Belmullet. Lovely. Beside the sea, lots of wind. Could you please recommend a small tree with nice foliage that would grow for me? I would like something with bare trunk and nice rounded head. Like a lollipop. Like a lollipop. Like a lollipop. Yeah. Lollipop shape. Lollipop shape. But lollipop shape doesn't always lend itself to seaside locations, does it? Well, uh, or is well it, I always uh, think that's a very urban kind of a plant. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the I think the key here, key thing here is to want something that will actually grow, okay. that will actually d- develop. I think the aesthetics might be <laughs> secondary. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So lolly, typical lollipop shape. Most trees have that sort of shape with a nice clean stem, and we I do always advocate uh, for broadleaf trees to train them that way to remove the lower branches, so you get this clean stem and a and a roundish head. For seaside areas, you're looking for plants that will tolerate salt in the air and wind in the air. Now, if you want to say something that will only grow maybe six or seven feet high, so quite 
small. Uh, there's a lovely plant called Ligustrum texum, and it's in the privet family. It's got waxy green leaves, uh, which it retains 12 months of the year, and a lovely white flower that scent it. So it's Ligustrum texum, T-E-X-U-M, um, waxy green leaf, does really well in seaside areas, and it can be shaped. So if you only want to keep it to maybe seven feet type of thing, that it's ideal for that. So that's a lovely formal tree. It's the type of thing you'd put maybe out in a pot or container out in your patio or outside the hall door or in the garden and maybe underplant it with some bedding plants. So it is very formal. If you want something a little bit taller then you're looking for the trees that tolerate salt air so things like white beam do really well and can be shaped and trimmed. They've got the silver leaves, the white flowers, the red berries. They are deciduous but they tolerate the wind really well and that's probably the best tree in coastal areas. The other plant you have um, you know, you won't have the formal shape in it but the Cordyline Australis produces that bare bark and foliage on top like a tropical palm and does really well in coastal areas. So there's three for you that would would definitely grow right. and um, definitely have that lollipopish shape. shape. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to turn our attention to photograph on WhatsApp yes. now. Uh, somebody has sent in this. I think it might have come in last week, uh, but we just didn't get to it. Uh, so uh, we have a, a front kind of garden, quite a significant size, yeah. I would say. Um, and uh, there's a driveway up with a lantern and uh, the grass and we've got some borders. So the question is, uh, what would we suggest or what would you suggest to plant, particularly around the lanterns and up along the drive? Yeah, so around the lanterns, it's a semi-circular type of bed, um, you know, so it's roughly, I'd say, about two metres in diameter. And I would plant some ground covering plants. There's a lovely plant in flower at the moment called Parahibi, which is an evergreen plant with lovely white flowers. They're personal white flowers. Um, and that looks really well when it's planted en masse. So I would plant around the base of the lantern, maybe six to eight plants, space them about two feet, 18 inches to two feet apart and let them fill in that entire area. So Parahibi, the, the variety is what called avalanche and it lives up to that name in terms of the lovely white flowers. Uh, like It's like snow on the plant at this time of year and it flowers right through to September. Another lovely plant is a plant called Geranium Roxanne, which has got blue flowers. It grows about two feet in height, but again, it suits that kind of mass planting. So around the lantern, I would use uh, Geranium Roxanne or Parahibi, the white Parahibi, something very low. And then up along the border, you've got a border that sweeps right up to the house, just off the lawn. Again, ground covering plants, planted maybe in groups of threes. So you get that formal effect. So some low ground... Uh, growing um, ground covering geraniums would be nice maybe some flower carpet roses would look well as well right up along the border um, so really pop into your local garden centre look for ground covering plants those that will stay quite short the other thing you could add into the long border so the long border that sweeps up to the house is maybe a couple of uh, formal half standard plants like um, maybe 14 year red robin or euonymus that would be maybe a metre high on a clean stem so going back to the Belmont, the lollipop, yeah. and then that would allow you to underplant those with ground covering oh, plants. Yeah, and it would look really well all the way up along the border. So you've got a little bit of variation in height. A little bit of there. height, exactly. You have some plants at a metre, others then that, that are in around the base with, and it would be nice because the garden is, is quite formal, the nice, uh, neat lawn. So that that kind of formal planting would suit, suit. That, that area. And it would be relatively maintenance free as well. Now we've set three apple trees, had a few apples for a year or two. This year flowered well and there were some apples appearing, but all of them fell off. Can you suggest what might be happening there or is there well, anything we, we can look up in relation to this? Yes, maybe some, there's a very 
very good book I called. See, yeah, the, but it's a question about if there was any book, but that, yeah, that's a, kind of putting us. The Garden Expert books. There's a range of Garden Expert books, um, and again, if you pop into your local bookstore or you get them online or in the local garden centre, and um, there's one specifically for fruit and vegetables, um, and and you know it gives you all the kind of popular things to do at this time of year. Apples do drop uh, now. You get the June drop, which is which is normal with apples as well. And because of the very dry conditions, apples or anything fruiting will need watering, uh, particularly from now on. Now, the rain is coming tomorrow, so that, that will certainly help as well. But any check to growth, they tend to drop their apples. Really, for most apple trees, we're coming into the time of year for doing some summer pruning. So any growth they've made this year should be shortened at the end of June back by one third. So even though there's leaves on them, you do a little bit of pruning uh, at the end of June. And the other thing to put on them is sulphur of potash that builds them up for next year. For next year. Okay. <coughs> and from apple trees to pear trees, uh, I sowed some pear trees three to four years ago. Some small fruit developed last year but fell off from the wind and rain. Yeah. I was planning on training them against a wall. Great idea. I a photograph of the, I think the tree, the, yep. that's the pear tree itself. That's the pear uh, tree, And yeah. the wall. Uh, so, but don't know when to do it. Uh, so as you can see from the photos, one has grown much bigger than the other and the site is very exposed. Yeah, so it'd be a great idea to, to grow them against the wall. So the wall in the picture is roughly about four feet high so that the wall is probably a small bit uh, short for the pear tree but you can still train it certainly and uh, by training it on the wall it gives it the shelter from the wind as well. This is an excellent time to train them because the branches are very flexible so what you want to do is put some bull wire or some strong wire onto the wall and then attach the stems to the wall and tie them down so that the, 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 the branches are actually running horizontal um, across the, the wire so you tie them into the wire and then any branches that are facing into the border so we can see some branches here facing out into the driveway they need to be pruned off and that could be done at this time of year so you train it like a climbing plant and pear trees and plum trees respond very well to being trained against a wall they get the heat of the wall um, which helps them to flower and fruit and also they get the wind protection from the wall as well so they're an excellent again my favourite garden in Dublin the OPW garden the Victorian Wall mm. Garden that's a great place to drop in and have a look because they've trained many pear trees and plum trees and cherry trees on the walls um, and, and it looks really well so um, yeah good time of year to do it Okay uh, we've grown green rhubarb for over 40 years same spot in the garden when we cooked it on Friday in the slow cooker it turned red we were puzzled Is yeah. green? does rhubarb not always go red it no? does well all my oh, rhubarb okay. does anyway yeah. Yeah. it okay. depends on the variety <laughs> Timberley Early is probably the, be the best red sticked uh, variety and, and um, the stems of rhubarb change colour anyway they start green yeah. and as they mature they go to a reddish colour now rhubarb is struggling this year because of the very dry conditions it's not as uh, prolific as it is in other years because it needs it's probably 70 or 80 percent water anyway in rhubarb so if you see your rhubarb beginning to flower make sure you cut off the old flower stems okay we've two questions on honeysuckle all of a sudden so first of all um the honeysuckle feed it was fed watered well but very little flowers and what to do okay and also on the whatsapp from judy corns in the uk uh, of a seven-year-old honeysuckle uh during growing time healthy green leaves and then produces small yellow scented flowers now the whole center has lost its leaves and flowers 
hours have just uh, just top. on the top left. So what what could be the cause? Well, the one thing with with um, for Judy in in the UK to watch out with honeysuckles is that they're a favourite for aphids, and aphids at this time of year love honeysuckle, and they'll attack the the young growth in particular. Call a very cause a very kind of a sticky reaction onto the the buds, and you get a lot of leaf drop as well. Now remember, honeysuckle is a woodland plant, so it likes a moist retentive soil so again if the ground gets too dry you will get leaf loss on it as well and um, it likes it, although it'll flower in full sun it actually flowers well in shade but it does take up to four years for them to come into to flower so the very first question where the, the listener is saying it's not flowering for them mm. you have to be a little bit patient with honeysuckle it tends to do a lot of growing in its first four to five years and then settle down to 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 actual flowering so Key thing to keep an eye on them, and I would I would advise that using um, something like rose clear when you're spraying your roses to protect them against aphids and so on. Treat the honeysuckles as well because they tend to get aphids every year, and and it does destroy them and set them back, and and they get very yellowish. And as Judy has described there, Judy's issue could be either too it being too dry or a little bit of aphid damage on the plant. Um, and remember that honeysuckle does respond. This is once it goes out of flowering, that's the time to prune it back because it flowers on the previous season's growth. So um, it's a good time of year. Once oh. it goes, the flowers go off, start to trim it. Now, uh, we have a question on Wigilia and hosta plants and how to set them. Well, quite simply, I mean, two, two, of, just the, dig a hole? two of the <laughs> easiest plants to grow. So Wigilia is in flower at the moment. There's many different varieties of them. So depending on, on um, if it's a variegated form, it'll tend to be shorter and smaller. So keep it, but it will still grow up to four feet. And some of the taller varieties like Rubra grow uh, anything up to seven or eight feet. So depending on the variety, select the right location for it. They're quite a bushy plant as well, Wigilia. So they'll spread up to about four feet in diameter. So it's kind of the back of a border plant. But simply dig a hole, put it in, give it a good watering, water it again in two or three weeks' time and it'll be perfectly fine. Again, Wigilia flowers on older wood, so it might take them one or two years to come into flowering, but they're very reliable. Hostas, very, very easy plant to grow. Again, it likes a moist retentive soil. Will only grow generally about two feet in height, maybe up to three feet in diameter. Mm. Looks well when you plant a couple of them together. I just think they're stunning. Ah, they're great. Yeah. They'll tolerate shade, um, but they don't like a dryish soil. So pick somewhere where you, where um, it's it's open to the, the um, rain, but also, you know, keep it well watered for the first couple of weeks. And they're a great plant to divide every couple of years and propagate them on and such an easy plant to grow. Okay, just the slugs are very fond of them, aren't they? They are, but again, if you use, remember the tip I, 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 I the tip I learned myself was from one of the growers of hostas in the UK and they use garlic, the garlic liquid. Actually, I brought some with me okay. because I wanted to mention, uh, so I left it okay. outside there. Um, so at this time of year, root fly on carrot root fly, cabbage root fly, now is the time to treat it. So if you're thinning your carrots, and particularly if you have cabbage in the ground, put on the root fly treatment. And there's one that's based on garlic. It's called, it's made by um, EcoGuard. Very safe to use. It's 100% organic. No pesticide in it. But the carrot root fly hates it. Okay. And slugs hate it as well. So also good for hostas As- then. Absolutely brilliant for hostas. So um, yeah, a concentrated. So that's, that's what I use and it works very effective. Brilliant. Now, uh, somebody's wondering, can I set peas now or is it too late? No, no, you can still sow. You can sow. Most vegetables can still be sown at this time of year. Tomatoes, it's a little bit late. Chilies, peppers, any of the kind of fruiting vegetables. But um, 
fruiting vegetables, does that make sense? <laughs> but any of the uh, things like carrots, lettuce, cabbages, kale, go ahead and sow them. them. Okay. You know, there's a long, long growing season left yet. We're only in June. And we're talking about from seed. From seed, yeah. yeah, yeah oh yeah, perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah, peas, yeah, sow them from seed, yeah. I planted a laurel hedge in April. They were potted plants, uh, not dry rooted. Uh, some of them seem to have died. Will they grow back? <laughs> well, if they're dead, no. I mean, if they're gone brown and dead looking, then they're not going to come back. It's possibly that they got just too dry, <clears throat> the laurel. So, um, I mean, a way to check them is to, with your nail or with a, sh- a scissors, just scrape the stem. If the stem is green, there may be a chance they'll come back. But they should be healthy and green at the moment. And if they're woody and sticky, then they're the chance of them coming back are very, very slim. But you can just check the, the bark to see are they green inside. <clears throat> OK, great. Um, now, is nettle steeped in water good for plants and shrubs? Is the water the nettles have been steeped in good for plants? Did we talk about nettles we did. last we mentioned week on the programme? Yeah, so, so things like nettles and comfrey, you can use the stems and the foliage to make up a soup, a, a liquid soup. So you literally put it into water, sh- stuff all the leaves in and the stems in, crush them up a little bit, put in water, leave it for three three weeks. It makes this soup that has this horrible smell of it, but you can subsequently then divide it and and, um, add it to a watering can with water and put it onto your vegetables and it acts as a fertiliser and also as as a kind of pest control as well because there's uh, a pest. smell. There is. Now there is a smell off your vegetables as well. Right. <laughs> Once we apply, now after a week or two, it it uh, dissipates as okay. well. So, or else use a liquid, an organic okay. liquid feed. You know, there's plenty of organic feeds available at the moment. Okay, great. Now we've got a photograph in on uh, WhatsApp. So I'll just <clears> read the question first of all. Uh, so we're looking for a little bit of identification on this um, and wondering how uh, we should care for it. Uh, it was received from a friend of of this person's daughter uh, when they were moving abroad. Does it need light or shade and how often does it would need to be watered and uh, fed so it's an indoor plant by the looks of it it's indoor yeah it's called the zoom plant and uh, it's indoor it's got those lovely leathery leaves it's got the scarlet orange flower so keep it indoors it's a plant that you can divide split it up into two or three pieces Um, it looks like an agapanthus like an indoor agapanthus except the flowers are uh, orange in colour and just keep it in a bright location water it once a month feed it once a month divide it every two to three years and you can pass it on to somebody else in in the in the family family and friends so bright location liquid feed uh, you could use baby bio on it now or a tomato feed on it and that'll keep it going okay now every year this rose looks very healthy up until the buds come on and then it just seems to die in a few weeks says tom so this is uh, it's a rose that's in a pot yeah and uh, like it's it's struggling tom because it's it's just pot bound in the pot so my advice really is to plant it out uh, plant it out into the garden soil if you can or get yourself a, a bigger pot so it's it's outgrown it's um, it, the, the, the root base so the pot is just too small for it and it's struggling for water and for nutrition so my advice and now would be a good time actually to do that just to take the pot tip it out uh, replant it and um, it'll be perfectly fine it'll come back perfectly fine again so it's just struggling just re- it looks like a shrub rose just from the picture um, so yeah and it's and it's actually quite healthy although there's an awful lot of brown leaves on it yeah. it's a strong plant it's a strong rose and it just is in the pot is just too small for it okay. uh, so try and get it into the garden soil somewhere or move it into a bigger pot Um and That's it all it needs. It'll come back fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be perfectly fine. Great. Um, now, when is the right time for it to prune blackcurrant bushes? Okay. They're mm. laden with fruit now, asks are, Tom yeah. in Castlebar. So, Tom, actually, once you pick the fruit, 
to that. So the blackcurrants fruit on the previous seasons would. So however well they grew last summer determines how well they fruit this summer. <clears throat> so what you do is you don't treat them like a rose bush and just cut them all back. You selectively take out some of the older fruiting stems. So how do you know the older fruiting stems? Because when you're picking the fruit off the stems, they're the stems to prune out. So when you're picking your fruit in, in over the next couple of weeks, once you've finished on the stem, cut that stem right to ground level and leave all other shoots alone. And that helps to keep the plant young. You're encouraging lots of new growth and on that new growth they'll fruit the following year. So it's a, just that each time you, you take fruit off the stem, prune out the the old shoots. And that is the same thing applies for gooseberries, red currants and white currants. Use the same system. Okay. And feed them. Feed um, them this time of year as well. Okay. Um, now, uh, problems with crows and magpies rooting out potatoes. Well, I don't know if that, that's a, that's an that's age just, old challenge. Really, yeah, you can net, you can put some netting over them or, or you know, people should be moulding up or moulding up the potatoes and adding extra soil around the, the, the stems. And that helps to keep them as well. I mean, generally, generally uh, crows will pick them if they're cl- relatively close to the surface. And that's what potatoes do as they're growing. They're pushing the tubers out to the edge of the drill. But if you're adding soil to that, a, it helps to keep the tubers um, dark and, and developing better and obviously and more tubers and also helps to keep the, the birds away as well. OK, I, I know this is a question we've had a few we had times. last week, hadn't we? Yeah, I, I, but it's not, it's from, a, I think it's a different okay, hedge, yeah, yeah. even though it looks quite similar. Um, so it's a boxwood, bo- yeah. It's, yeah, a box's hedge. A lot of people seem to have problems with these this year for some reason, or at least they're drawing our attention to it anyway. So um, kind of a little bit dead, more than a little bit, says you there on the yeah. top. And, and look, the sides are fine as well. And uh, typically with old box hedges anyway, the, in, the inside of the hedge, you'll always get a certain amount of dead wood. Now, the listeners, after pruning it, so the, the browning is, is more evident. Boxes, boxwood suffers from box blight, which is a yellowing of the leaves, which t- eventually turn this brownish colour. Um, so give it, it, pop into your local garden centre, ask them for the boxwood treatment, blight treatment. Um, it's top boxes, it's called. And it's, it's a blue pellet. You mix it in water, you apply it to the foliage and within two or three weeks it it feeds it, but it also controls the disease as well. Okay. And the other thing to keep an eye out for on boxwood, particularly in April and May, they do suffer from aphids. They get a... um, a kind of a woolly aphid, a, a greyish, whitish aphid. On the, I see them every year on the new growth, and that tends to set them back a little bit as well. Okay, um, and can you spray against? You can, that? you can treat for that as well early in the spring, but it's it's a little bit late now. They've moved on, but I would use the top box definitely on on this on particular tree. plant. Give it a feed as well, and it'll okay. it'll grow out of it. Lovely. One more and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, last, uh, we have nasturtiums. I planted uh, four packets um, about and one packet came out. How long have they planted? They're about five weeks old. That's not so, a good success rate. <laughs> uh, about one packet came out. I watered them from rainwater in a barrel um, and yeah, so I, I think we're not, they're not performing. Okay, well look, my, my advice really is to sow them again because nasturtiums are relatively easy to grow. Um, you know, it, it's hard to know exactly what went wrong with this one, but so they could be sown directly out of out of into the garden soil or if you want to be 100% success put them into a seed tray have the compost moist the seed is quite large so it's easy to sow press it well into the compost cover with cling film and leave it on the windowsill and you don't have to wash them and you don't have to do anything with them until they germinate right it's the easiest way to get seeds to germinate so the old cling film trick um 
will do the job. Will do. I, I'd expect those nasturtiums up to be up after 10 to 12 days on a warm, bright wind still. Sow them inside yeah. and then you can transplant them out later on, later on. in the summer. Okay, great. Um, we'll quickly just uh, talk about beech hedges for a second, which has been wind burnt. Yeah. Uh, this listener has fed it, great. wondering should they trim it back? Yeah, give it a light trimming back because the trimming of plants stimulates new growth. So give it a light trimming back, it'll be perfectly fine. And we, and we said that last week, there's lots of browning on plants. I do notice they're actually growing, plants are growing outward at the moment, so that's good. But a light trimming back with the beech hedge and you've fed it already, so you've done everything perfectly fine. Give it a couple of weeks, it'll be back to normal. Okay, now somebody has sent us in a, a, a picture and it's just a little unclear in terms of the plant. So um, it's a, a plant uh, where uh, somebody purchased it a number of years ago, hasn't altered in any way, um, and uh, it's uh, bought in memory of a loved one, uh, so lights can be put around it. Um, so I don't have your name, listener, but if you can identify your question from that, you might try and take a, a kind of a closer photograph of that particular plant yeah, just and, and send it into us and, and we'll address it maybe yeah. next week on the programme for Perfect. you. Okay, we've got a, a little identification question here. Some lovely plants there in somebody's garden, uh, particularly a yellow plant uh, yeah. here wondering, uh, they think it might be a lily. It's very fragrant. Would you know what it's called? Yeah. That's Sarah. It's the yellow lilium and, and lovely yellow, bright yellow flowers, highly scented, particularly in the even time. And it's lovely planted here with uh, peony roses. So Yeah, beautiful. It's a great con- Contrast, Jen. It comes back year after year. They're great, the lilies. Okay, now, not so pleasant <laughs> is a photograph of rather a lot of, I don't know, they look like caterpillars maybe. Yeah. So anyway, while out walking the other day, I can I came across what I can only describe as these ugly creatures. They seem to be confined to just that plant. En route this evening, I noticed that they have spread a little further. It seems to be a nettle that they're feeding on. I've shown them to my dad and my uncle. They say they've never seen them before. My questions are, what are they? And will they affect vegetables and flowers? So we have a fairly good close-up photograph of, I don't know, there could be 30 caterpillars oh, yeah. all there together. Would yeah, there yeah. Be? Do, yeah, we, yeah. do we Na- know what they are? Nature at its best. So these are the these are the caterpillars of the peacock butterfly. Oh, that's, well, that and sounds pe- like a very colourful butterfly. It is actually. It's a beautiful red butterfly. With uh, So when it opens, they're black, of course, and ugly as caterpillars because they don't want the birds eating them. Uh, so they make them look as horrible as possible. But they feed uh, particularly on, on nettles at, th- at this time of year and they'll hatch out as beautiful bright red butterflies. A, a really nice variety. So it's called the peacock butterfly and you always see the black caterpillars on, on nettles. On nettles. Yeah, feeding okay. on nettles. So. Interesting. Uh, will the spread to, to um, vegetables? vegetables not, yeah. not necessarily. I mean, caterpillars, it is something to keep an eye out on your vegetables, particularly cabbage and thinking of the cabbage family. Just turn the leaves over and you'll, you'll see them. Don't don't treat them unless they're there okay. and, and you can pick them off quite safely as well. OK, can you use miracle Grow on vegetables? Yes, you can. Okay. miracle Grow tends to be high in nitrogen, so it's particularly good for leafy vegetables like lettuce, cabbages, um, kale, any of the kind of leafier crop, it's more suitable. Uh, better with a tomato feed for the fruiting, so for peas and beans and um, strawberries and tomatoes use a tomato feed. Is it too late to sow fodder beet? No, you can sow it at this time of year so it's generally it's generally um, harvested through the winter period so now is an excellent time. And all of those, anything related to fodder beet like uh, spinach, like uh, kale, or not kale but uh, Swiss chard is, it can be sown at this time of year so you can still sow them because they're totally winter hardy and really, really tough. Okay, somebody wondering can they prune a plum tree now? Yeah, it's a good time. Plums are generally pruned um, 
they're pruned during the summer period so now is an excellent time to do it and feed it with a, a high potash feed Okay we have another question how do we sow organi- or vegetables organically is there organic compost so if you're starting from scratch Okay and you if want you want to, to do it 100% yeah. organic right so what you'll need first of all you can buy organic seed so within the, the seed racks look for the organic seed you can get organic compost as well or you can use your garden soil so if your garden soil hasn't you haven't been spraying vegetable or pesticides in your garden soil then that's perfectly fine as well and many vegetables you can grow them in containers like the uh, the veggie pod or the veggie bags or in in uh, other containers and using organic compost and using organic seed and using organic treatments organic liquid feeds you can grow them 100% organic Okay, great. So we have, I think, a picture here of some potato stalks yeah. coming up. Okay. Um, and the question is, will I spray this crop now? The large stalks were set at the end of March. Other small ones set in May. Um, this is my first time, says Breach. Oh, well, well done, Breach. I mean, that's a great way to plant them because you're going to have, obviously, the early potatoes ready. And early potatoes, once they start flowering and, you know, if they're flowering for about a week, they're generally ready for harvesting varieties like Sharps Express and Home Guard, those really early varieties, or and colleen so be keeping an eye out on those because generally at the end of june they start to be ready for harvesting but breed yes this is the time of year uh, blight doesn't differentiate between small young plants and taller plants so my advice is to put the blight spray on them all at the today if you can uh, with the dry weather and also tomatoes can be affected by potato blight so if you have tomatoes out of doors use a little bit of, of um, blight spray treatment on them as well. Okay. Um, somebody's wondering uh, with cabbage roots and they're cut below the soil. Yeah, so that's our friend the cabbage root fly and that's what I was saying about the garlic treatment. So look for Eco Guard. It's a liquid uh, root fly treatment. You simply mix it in a watering can, you douse it onto your carrots or onto your mm. cabbage and that Love keeps it. the picks, pests away. Okay, can you transplant turnips? No, well, no, it's not, no. They they don't, anything Once with the they're root, in, they're in. Once they're in, they're in. You can thin them but tra- by transplanting them, you upset the root system. The same with carrots, parsnips. They don't transplant very well. And they're not suitable really for sowing in, in trays and transplanting either because they will grow, but they tend to be twisted and, and, and disformed. So you're better to sow swades and turnips directly into the garden soil, thin the seedlings um, or sow them very, very thin when, when transplanting them. Okay, I, I don't know if this relates to our very first question. Uh, the, uh, can you spell the name of the tree that sounds like Alamanchia? Can't find it on pictures. Did we mention that earlier or is that from a previous uh, programme? I'm not too did. sure. Well, there, there is a plant called Amelanchier. Maybe that's it. Amelanchier, Lamarchii. <laughs> Did you want to go? So over to you. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you. So Amelanchier, A-M, A-M, Amelanchier, A-M-E-L-A-N-C-H-I-E-R. So that's Amelanchier. It produces beautiful white flowers in spring, um, kind of reddish leaves as well. Really nice tree. The snowy mespolis is the common name for okay, it. Okay, there you go. Snowy that's easier to spell. And it, it literally adds up to that because it produces this beautiful canopy of white flowers in springtime. Now, the other plant I mentioned for the seaside area, maybe it's that, it was Ligustrum texum. Ligustrum, the privet plant. Remember I mentioned mm. for the... So whether it's that... I'm not... Yeah, I'm not sure. If it's al- Aleman, 
Snowy, snowy, snowy mescalus. mescalus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, lovely tree, really easy to grow. OK, great. We have a photograph here. Um, uh, so the question for Mary is, should I cut back this shrub now? It is flowered, but it's not looking very healthy. So so it's a rhododendron, mm. and a lovely pink uh, flowering dwarf rhododendron. So remember that it needs to be in acid soil, lime-free soil. It's very yellowish. It, it tells me that the plant is suffering from a bit of chlorosis, which is um, the impact of lime in the soil. So my advice really is to just make sure that it has... Um, uh, it's in lime-free soil. Feed it with an ericaceous feed right through the summer now. So at least every three weeks, give it a liquid feed and that'll bring back the yellowing. It doesn't look like it needs trimming. It's actually quite short and, and bushy. Um, I think it's just a little bit anemic and it needs a bit of feeding now with the ericaceous feed and it'll it'll perk it up and, and bring it on. OK, I'd like uh, some suggestions for small specimen trees like cherry or acer. And what time of year are these in garden centres? Um, well, you, you, there's a good range of, of trees in the garden centre at the moment um, in terms of acers first of all you need a sheltered particularly for the Japanese maples you need a relatively sheltered garden and they come in a whole range of different um, varieties garnet is a lovely variety bloodhood is an, another really lovely one with with reddish leaves, uh, dissectum has has nice um, dissected leaves. So my advice would be to pop into your local garden centre and ask them for the the range of dwarf acer trees. It's a really good planting weather as long as you keep them well watered until they establish themselves. And the same with the small cherries; they come in a whole range of um, different varieties. Um, you know, we brought I brought some in yes. in the spring. Uh, the the Fujian Fu- ones. Fujian ones are absolutely lovely as well, and they're very compact and very easy to grow. So there's quite a good range of small trees available at the moment and a great time to plant them. Anything in a pot you can plant at this time of year. That's the, As long as you're prepared to water, water it with recycled water. Of course. <laughs> uh, almost go, almost yeah. goes yeah. without saying. Uh, what would be the cause of my winter onions running to seed? They were well looked after during the winter. Well, onions will run to seed or any plant will run to seed if they come any, under any form of stress. So um, dry soil, if the soil is very dry, which it has been this this uh, summer, that'll turn them to seed. Uh, if there's any pest, but it's generally, it's generally kind of growing conditions. So very cold weather, uh, dryness in the soil, um, that causes plants to run to seed. So anything that checks their growth, remember that plants are there to flower and reproduce and produce their seed. And once a plant, an onion plant or any plant, feels under any form of stress or it stops growing or it doesn't feel healthy, it triggers itself into flowering and producing seed. And that's what's happening with your onions. So once they get to that stage, it's time to harvest them, lift them out of the soil and save what you can and re-sow fresh seed again. Now, Maria has questions on, a question on planted lettuce seeds. Okay, yeah. Uh, so she planted them outside two weeks ago in a shady spot. Okay. No germination. Do they need more sun or should she try a window box and transplant out? Well, I yeah, I, shade is not the spot for them anyway. So lettuce, lettuce seeds and vegetables in general need to be in a bright, uh, warm area. Two weeks on, it's still, it's still relatively early. It's easier to sow them in trays or in a window box and then transplant them out. Um, so give it another go. If you have some seed left, uh, I would re-sow it in fresh compost. Again, like I said, use the cling film if you wish and that makes it easier for the seeds to germinate and lettuce can be transplanted, no problem whatsoever, back out into the garden soil. So just redo them again. Now we've got from lettuce to carrots, we've got a photograph of some carrots here, Park. Um So my carrots have a purple ring-like collar where the green meets the top of the carrot. Is it stopping them growing? No, um, no, no. 
no, no, that's normal. You get you get that. It's just a purple. See, it's a kind of a purple discolor coloration, not it's discoloration. A, it's, it's the separation. It's really, just the separation of the, of the green and the, the, and root, the red. The root and the, yeah, and yeah, the stalk. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. That's not affecting them Perfectly whatsoever. Normal. Yeah, look, most of them seem to be. Um, I mean, there are various. We have a picture here, and there are various different sizes. Um, like carrots, carrots are can be tricky to sow from seed, and and my advice is when you're sowing the seed of carrot, put down some compost, ordinary multi-purpose compost, into the drill, sow the seed into it and they need to be kept well watered then uh, you know until such time as they're they're um you know, we get the rain, so yeah. keep them well watered. Do keep an eye out for the carrot root fly. There's no obvious carrot root fly on those plants, so it's not the um, the purple is is normal, as you say, the separation between the carrot, the actual red part of the carrot, and the green leaf. So it's perfectly fine. Okay, we're also wondering why there are no flowers on the white thorn this year. Oh, they've, are I there? Thought, oh, they did. They I flowered lovely. Yeah. Yeah, were they yeah, out they, early? They were, they were, no, they were uh, bang on time in May, but the wind caught them as well. Yeah. And Whitethorn has been burnt this year so quite sh- a bit. So short-lived maybe. Yeah, short-lived, a little bit short-lived this year. Um, so remember that, that storm we had two or three weeks ago. Um, okay. We've hybrid rows, very healthy looking, loads of buds, but they don't open. Why is this? Well, like it can be from a number of hybrid tea rows. Uh, yeah. So very healthy, lots of buds, but they don't open. Why is this? Well, that's it's unusual now for um, roses not to, for the flowers not to open. What they do need is a bright, sunny location, regular feeding. Um, if there's a virus in the plant, that can stop it, certainly. And roses can get various different viruses, but it will generally show with the plant being unhealthy and, and the buds not opening. Maybe if the listeners could send in a picture by WhatsApp to us on 087 9141 I'll just have a look, closer look at the buds. Um, if they get mildew on the on the buds themselves, they'll, the buds won't open, they'll kind of wither and go off and that would be a white deposit on the actual bud itself and stem. So maybe if the listener could send us in a, a picture okay. of them. Uh, somebody says, uh, this is something now I'm unfamiliar with, I have sedge in my meadow. Yeah. Is it, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, sedges, I, yeah. Is it okay? It looks very rough. It's o- oval sedge, yeah, I'm well, told. Se- sedges are, are um, they grow like grass. Right. Um, they tend to favour wetter grounds and uh, we actually often plant them as ornamental plants so there's a variety called carex that's a sedge um, so it's a, like a, a broad rough grass uh, so when you have it in your lawn uh, it's, sometimes it's a lot greener than the lawn itself so it can look actually even healthier but it tends to spread into lawns particularly if the ground is wet um, now you can either put up with it and just uh, live with, with sedge and just let it kind of fill in with the lawn or you can spot treat it with the lawn weed killer and control it that way. Okay, great. Um, poppies are dying off. Can I cut them or should I wait for them to die? No, no. Well, what you can do is if, if they're, uh, it depends on the variety of poppy. If it's a, the real big blousy poppy, they won't produce seeds so you can take the old seeds off. If they're the Californian varieties, which should, should still be in flower, they self-seed and the seed will will um, drop to the soil and germinate. So if you want kind of young plants germinating in other areas, then allow them to produce their seed and let that seed cast and that will germinate over the summer and you'll have new plants for next year. So if you just want to tidy them up and, and um, then certainly you can deadhead them, take off the old flowers and tidy them back, give them a liquid feed. But if you want some a new generation for next year, mm. allow the poppies maybe to reseed 
uh, which they do very, very easily. And you'll get the seeds and yeah. you'll get the flowers. You get the, you get the plants for next year. <coughs> OK, yeah. just one or two more quick ones before we finish up. Brussels sprouts have a lot of holes in the leaves. I've used slug pellets. Would there be anything other than slugs attacking it? Well, the caterpillars can, can attack them. Flea beetle can attack them as well, which is a small pinhole. But generally, Brussels sprouts are such a vigorous plant that you don't have to. A small bit of damage is perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. A little bit of slug damage here and there. You're not eating the leaves of, of the Brussels sprout. You're, you're, you're playing for the actual um, the little Brussels sprouts themselves so small bit of damage don't worry about obviously check them for caterpillars and check them for flea beetle as well Okay and finally Michelle had some gladioli on the WhatsApp in a barrel they aren't the dwarf ones uh, pulled uh, most with the soil attached so she's taken them out uh, to transplant I guess uh, some with just the bulb there's already six inches in growth will they transplant well? <laughs> well it's not a great time for transplanting but but uh, yes I would if they're only six inches tall they should be fine keep them well watered um, you know it's not the ideal time to be transplanting plants but having said that if they're only six inches tall then I'd expect them to be actually taller than that at this time of year. They must have been sown late, uh, but certainly um, keep them well watered. They should be perfectly fine. Gladioli is relatively easy to grow. Okay, and I'm afraid on gladioli we're going to have to leave it there. Remember, we've only two more programmes. I can't believe that, but yes, that's the, that's the case. Yeah, so we're, we're trundling along. So next Saturday is our penultimate. Oh, we love, we love that night word. <laughs> <laughs> so second last programme next Saturday. So get your questions yeah. in this really week. Really early because it's very difficult, as we said, to get them all covered. Yeah, Thanks. Particularly that question with the with the uh, rose bud and that other listener that had the one the, the, with the shrub. Yeah, the yeah. closer that we'd like the closer one. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Uh, Porik, thanks indeed. Uh, thank you for all your questions and indeed for your company over the last uh, couple of hours. Michael Neary on the way next with the very best in country right through until one o'clock from me. For the moment, a very good morning to you.